change around my team, yeah, we off the leash. You could look us in the eyes and see we have peace. Black and gold, that's the colors when we go to war. When we step up on that field, you go hear my roar. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. Yeah, nobody hitting harder. Better keep your guard up, cause with everything we drop, we can score it when we wanna. Welcome to Podgewee. I'm Josh Smith. And I'm Mike Graham. Mike, how good does this feel, buddy? Like two weeks ago, you and I are sitting here on the borderline of depression <laughs> with an 0-2 yeah. team, and two weeks later, two and two, big win on Labor Day. This is this feels a lot more fun, does it not? It does. To get uh, you know, we had the the first two games were you know questionably you know. Winnipeg and Saskatchewan are arguably the best two teams in the league. Um, and yeah. we had a rough go against them, but uh, it was only the first two games. We come back, we we beat two Eastern opponents, which uh, means a lot in the standings, and uh, we're back up to 500. So I, I'm pretty happy. First place, Hamilton Tiger Cats. I know they're tied with Montreal and Toronto, but with wins over both of them, they have the tiebreaker right now. How good does that feel to say, Mike? How, does, how good does that feel to hear first place Hamilton Tiger Cats after the Labor Day Classic? Uh, it feels pretty good. Feels pretty good. Uh, it's it's, what, it's what we the, should have been saying all season, but now we can say it now for real. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is the hopefully this is the jumping off point to uh, uh, a long winning streak, and uh, we can start running away with the first in the East Division. But uh, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Before we talk about the game, we have to do what we do every week. Now we have to give away one of our lovely T-shirts. Thanks to our friends at the Tarps Apparel Company. Um, last week, uh, we gave away two because we were feeling generous. Uh, we're not as generous this week. We're still happy, but I think, I think we'll go back to one. We, we want to be able to spread the wealth, I think. Um, so we asked the question. I forgot to do this last week to actually answer, ask and answer the question from the week prior. But uh, our question this week was, who did I say would have a breakout performance in the Labor Day Classic? We got a ton of answers on this one. And I'm very happy to see that the, the number of people answering as the, as the weeks go on, this is starting to gain some more momentum. It's been more and more people every single time we've done it. And I, I really like to see that because it's, uh, it's fun getting, getting you listeners involved. And we, we want you guys involved in the show. And we're happy that you're, you're, you're seeming to be enjoying this. Everyone seems to be getting their shirts. They're, they're tweeting at us with them. And uh, – I, I, just, I just love being able to kind of give back in, in, a, in some small way. So I said, who would have a breakout performance in the Labor Day Classic? And my answer was Brandon Banks. Unfortunately, I, as we'll talk about in a bit, that didn't, it didn't happen really. I think he had a decent game, but it wasn't the Brandon Banks game I expected. So, uh, Mike, if you'll hit that drum roll as you've been doing every week, I can hit the button and we can find out who our winner this week is. And our winner is, all right, we got it, Rodney, I'm going to say Gallant, I hope that's, I say that correctly, um, at Hot Roddy Rod on Twitter, congratulations, you are this week's winner, we will be reaching out to you uh, sometime this week, we'll get your, your, what player you're looking for, your t-shirt size, and we'll let you know what we can give to you, but uh, another winner this week, uh, 
can't wait till next week. We're going to do it again. Absolutely correct. Congratulations, Mr. Rodney. Uh, okay, before we get, I also have something fun. Um, so, uh, not to be somber, but uh, about a month back, my grandmother passed away. And uh, when she died, I inherited my grandfather's collection of sports cards, mostly baseball cards. I think I talked about this. Uh, I might have talked about it last week, or I, I, you know, I'm not sure. I talk about this a lot because uh, I've been spending a lot of my free time going through these boxes and boxes of cards looking for that that one card that'll make me super rich and I'll never have to work again unfortunately I haven't found that one yet but uh as I'm digging through these like my grandfather kept everything like there are baseball cards going back to the 1970s in here but what I found was interesting and as I'm rifling through one of them is I found a pair of Ticats tickets from 1995 specifically a game between them and the Argos that took place on Saturday, September 9th, 1995. So 26 years ago, uh, 26 years ago, Thursday, that game, as we record this on Tuesday, will have been played. Um, in doing a little bit of research, uh, I found out that this year didn't feature a Labor Day Classic. Uh, the uh, the Cats played, I think it was Baltimore, on either the Saturday or the Sunday. I think it was the Saturday uh, before Labor Day. So I don't know why there wasn't a Labor Day game played that year, but there wasn't. And... There were two tickets in, in this bunch, and quite frankly, I'm sure I was the one that went with him because when my grandfather got tickets to games, he usually took me. I don't remember a thing about this game, so I, I reached out to people on Twitter. Uh, Mark Fulton, a uh, good good friend of mine, he uh, hit me up with uh, a game recap that he found online. It sounded like a pretty exciting game. The Cats came back in the fourth quarter from down like 16 points or something to win the game, so I mean, it's always good there, but I don't remember anything about this game. I'm going to ask you, but I'm, I'm assuming that you don't really have any recollection of this either. No, it doesn't ring a bell, but I'm looking at the 1995 Tiger Cats right here, and uh, 8 and 10, 8 and 10. Playoff, you know, team. playoff uh, team that year, though, right? Typical Tiger Cat yeah. record, 8 and 10. Finished fourth in the North Division. Um, oh, that's yeah, right. Lost, yeah, that was the year of the, the North, North and South, right? Yes, correct. Yep, must have been... Um, yeah, that was full steam ahead in the American expansion, yep. I believe. Last year, yeah. I think that was the final year of the American expansion. Yes, I believe. Yep, you're you're right on that one. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Like, look at this North Division: it's Calgary, Edmonton, BC, Hamilton, Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, Toronto, Ottawa. So basically, the Wait. whole league right yeah. now. Yeah, it's it's uh, funny to look back at those years. Yeah, pretty crazy. So I'm going to put it out to our listeners: if you have any recollection of this September 9th, 1995 game between the Argos and Ticats. I'd love to hear it. So hit us up on the Podscuity Twitter if you know anything about this game. I, I'd love to be able to come back next week and and, and give some, some memories of this from someone else. But uh, Ooh, Interesting tidbit about 1995. Yes. Guess who was drafted in the third round, 17th pick, Mr. Rob Hitchcock. Oh, Weber look State. at that. Look there at that. Go. There you go. So some ties to your favorite play. Is he your favorite player of all time? He's up there. He's definitely top three. Definitely yeah. top three. So who would yeah. be who would be your top three? Oh man. Uh, well, I got I got to go. Darren. Yeah. Darren Flutie. Um, obviously Hitchcock. Oh man. I want to throw Monford in there too. Probably yeah. round out the top three. I mean, yeah. it's that's it's all from those you from know ninety eight, ninety nine, yeah, yeah, two thousand sure. years. For sure. But, that makes sense. Yeah. That's a all right. Top three. I'll, I'll, yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Uh, okay. Are you want to talk about the game on Monday? Because this was. This was fantastic. Yeah, might as well. <laughs> you, we, we went back and forth on this last week. You thought this would be a much closer game than it ended up being. I felt pretty confident the Cats were going to win this rather handily. And I'm not here to pat myself on the back. Like I, you're, 
I'm sure you when you watch the game, you're like, I'm glad to be wrong. I'm glad they're kicking ass. But they mm-hmm. they they kicked ass in this. The final score, 32-19, I think belies how much that this was a dominant performance by the Ticats. I think it goes without saying, though we'll say it anyway, this was easily their their top performance of the season. I mean, their last best game their last game was their best performance, and I think this one easily tops that one. There's so much to talk about in this, but I think you got to start with this was maybe the very definition of complementary football and a team victory. There were a lot of players who stepped up and played really well in this game, but none that you would say over and above anyone else. This was just, this was maybe the most complete game I've ever seen this team play, or at least in the last few years. Like this just felt like every single part of the team played a hand in contributing to this victory. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, I mean, the the, the defense was was back together, pretty much fully healthy, if not fully healthy. Uh, they looked amazing. Um, the offense did a great job, and the special teams did their thing too, with Frankie Williams returning a, a punt for a touchdown. So, like you said, complimentary football. All three stages of the game were uh, on point. Where do you want to start? Because I, like, I, I'm having a hard time kind of picking you do you want to go offense, defense, special teams? Do you want to go player? Like, where where do you want to start? Like, what 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 was your big big standout from this game? Maybe we'll start. Maybe that's the easiest place to start. What's the what's your well, one I, big takeaway? My one big takeaway of a pleasant surprise, and you know where I'm going with this, is the offensive line. I yeah. thought they uh, tremendous. You know, they are they were banged up. There were some some new guys in there. Um, you know, not fully healthy, but I thought they did a tremendous job. Uh, they they got room running the ball. Uh, they ran the ball with many different people, and you know I think those jet sweeps with the uh, the receivers handing off the ball to the receivers really helps out the O line. You know it makes the defense guess more. It's uh, some creativity in there. I like it a lot. Um, I th- I thought they performed really really well against a defensive line that uh, has has some talent. Did you hear Charleston Hughes' name at all during the broadcast? Because no, he was pretty no. invisible. He was a ghost. Yeah. Um, I, I was, they gave up three sacks, which is like, you don't want to see that. But I thought for the most part, this was, and we're probably going to say this a lot today, or at least I will. This was easily their best performance. Like, I didn't think they were very good mm. against Montreal. I think the Ticats won in spite of how poor the line played. But they brought back the exact same starting five, and they looked like, and maybe this is this is the reason for it. You get the same guys coming coming back in the lineup, and they look like a cohesive unit. They had it; they've had a game to play with each other. They now know kind of how to point out and maybe help each other. Like they just—I I hesitate to say they dominated because I don't think they dominated the game, but they weren't the hindrance that they were the first three weeks. Like I think the Tie Cats were one and two, were definitely zero oh and two in large part because of how poorly the offensive line played. And I don't think that they contributed much to the first win, but they were a major factor in this one. And you brought up the offensive play calling and the jet sweeps. I think that played a tremendous role in in keeping the Argos defense off their toes. And I think running the football sometimes for an offensive line, instead of you being passive and letting the rush come to you, you get to hit somebody. And I think letting them hit somebody really sort of gets their juices flowing and kind of gets them more into the game. Yep, Absolutely. And you just look at the carries. I mean, Brandon Banks had five carries. That's that's quite a bit for a receiver. You know, Sean Thomas Erlington only had five. Don Jackson had four. Um, Dean Evans had two runs, and Tim White touched the ball once as well. So, uh, I, I like this. I like this scheme they're working with, and uh, you know, it uh, makes me much more confident going forward. 
So I thought that Speedy would have a big game in this one. I thought he was he was going to come out and just absolutely obliterate them. And that, that didn't really happen. But I will say that I liked how the team – you mentioned the five runs. They're getting the ball in his hands in a multitude of ways. and like You know what I mean? Like They're getting him involved in the game plan. And I think even though it's not the 40-yard bomb down the field that he walks in for a touchdown, it's still him being involved. He was the team's leading rusher. And like you combine, you combine his 31 yards rushing with his, his 45 through the air, and it's like, oh, okay, so he has 86 total yards, which isn't a lot. It's not what you you expect more than from of that uh, more from Brandon Banks than that, but it's still getting him like eight touches for receivers. I mean that's that's usually probably more than average, quite frankly. Um, and there were a couple of plays like there was like the touchdown catch that he could have had. He just got absolutely hammered, and like there's nothing you can do about it. like that was you know a dude Banks's size going up against a guy who's probably got fifty pounds on him. That's gonna happen. It was it was a vicious hit. It was a nice hit by the Argos defender. I want to say his name was. Dick. Dakud, I think it was. And we'll talk about him in a second because he, he, you know, the very next play got his soul stolen from him by David Unger on a touchdown catch with that stiff arm. But, um, like, he got smacked on that one. There was a throw earlier in the game where Evans kind of underthrew it and Banks had to kind of hold up. If if Evans throws that, kind of similar to the game against the Owls, if Evans kind of throws that further out, Banks kind of runs under it, probably scores a touchdown or at least gets close. So, I can at least see, even if the numbers aren't there, I can see them getting him involved in the game plan more. And also there's, I, I feel like the, the big game is coming. You know what I mean? Like at yeah. some point, all of this is going to mesh into him having like a 200 yard, three touchdown game. You know what I mean? Yeah. There, he's definitely warming up and uh, yeah. the best is yet to come for Brandon Banks this season. So I, I have a, I have a very good feeling about that. And, you know, even if he's not, you know, contributing, um, with catches and yards like he, he did in the past, he's still a, a threat out there, and it still opens up the other receivers. So even if he's not making 150 yards per game, um, he's contributing. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Dane Evans, uh, this was – I thought he played really well against Montreal. He was exceptional in this one, 21-29, nearly 73% completion percentage, 248 yards, two touchdowns, no turnovers. And it's the no turnovers again. Like, as much as we – talked about Evans and, and were really impressed. And people, not just us, but pe- people who follow the league and talk about the league were all like, this guy could be the future, a future franchise quarterback. The one thing that kind of held him back was the interception. He had 21 touchdowns and 13 picks in 2019. This year, after two games, four touchdowns, no interceptions. He's he's taking care of the football. And if he gets if he gets that touchdown, like I'm not saying he's going to throw no interceptions all year. That's, I think that's unrealistic. But if he keeps those, if he let's say he plays the remainder of the season and he keeps those interceptions on the season under ten and has twenty some odd touchdown passes, I think that is what bodes well for the future. But I thought Evans was very efficient in this game. Um, the team had a couple of really nice sustained drives. Like the, their first drive of the game that only ended in a field goal was like a six minute just march down the field, which you don't really see those long time of possession drives in the CFL. It's usually big strike, big strike, big strike. And Evans obviously capable of that. We saw, what was it, 57-yard touchdown pass to Tim White. That was just an absolute beauty. Like, mm-hmm. I just pass. It was, it was the perfect pass. And I just feel like, I know we talked about it last week. We're going to talk about it this week. I just feel like the team, it, this, is, this is his team now. I think we love Jeremiah Mazzoli. I, I, I can't stress that enough. There just feels like there's something different with, the, with these guys with Evans under center. Yeah, he just he just feels more confident. Um, he impresses me the way he moves around in the pocket. Um, 
eludes pressure. Like he's not scrambling around. He's not running outside the pocket. He'll step up in the pocket to make a throw. And uh, he, he just looks more confident than what Jeremiah Mazzoli did uh, in the first two games. So I'm with you, man. Like we've been pushing Mazzoli for years on this show and everyone knows how much we love him. And, and some fans, you know, kind of annoys them how much we like him. But uh, I think you're right. I think Dane Evans is the guy going forward. He just, especially in this game, I mean, almost 73% completions, two touchdowns, 250 yards. He just performed really well. And uh, I, I just don't think you can take him off the field. No. One of my big issues with the quote-unquote Mazzoli haters was always their inability to to admit they were wrong. You know what I mean? Like their inability to be like, no, this guy actually is a pretty damn good quarterback. They were so steadfast and he's garbage. He'll never produce anything. The team can't win with him, yada, yada, yada. For us to sit here and do the same thing, saying, no, this should still be Mazzoli's team after what we've seen through Evan's first two starts, to me, we'd, we'd be no better than they are. Um, if Mazzoli comes back in the lineup and plays well, great. If he comes cool. back in the lineup and plays poorly and that's to put Evans in, that's okay too. I have confidence in this coaching staff and this organization to make the right decision when it comes to who's going to play quarterback. But from a layman, my eyes, your eyes, I, I just don't see, especially with the upcoming schedule, they have the Argos again in what could be a, is, a, is a winnable game. They beat the Argos on Monday. They obviously can beat them on Friday. Whether they do or not has, is yet to be seen. Then they have a pretty winnable game against the Stampeders, and then I think they play the Red Blacks after that. So it's like there's there's a good run here where if things go well for the Ticats, we're talking about like a, they start 0-2, now you're 5-2. and If Evans is is behind center for all those games, how do you, how do you take him out of the lineup? You know what I mean? Like if, if you're on a five-game win streak, you don't really want to mess with that mojo, do you? No, definitely not. you gotta, you got to keep rolling with the guy that's hot and uh... – Dane Evans is that guy right now, and uh, yeah, he's, uh, I mean, he like you said, he could be a future uh, franchise quarterback, he could be a huge star in this league, and uh, I think he will be, so um, yeah, I'm happy with Dane, if, if we're winning, I'm happy, so it's all good. Yeah, uh, how high out of your chair did you jump when David Unger absolutely stole that man's soul on that stiff arm? That was... You know what it reminded me of? Remember when Brandon Banks did that to, I want to say it was Solomon Elamimian, like five or six years ago. And then he like mm-hmm. started flexing to the crowd, and it's like the crowd got so pumped. That's what that reminded me. He just buried him in the turf, and it came the exact play after, and I think I think we just talked about it like five minutes ago, after he had just obliterated Banks. So on the very next play, just the stiff arm and the touchdown, and that was sort of like the beginning of, of the end for the Argos in this one. It was just, it was fantastic. Well, he showed that he can, uh, you know, the talent he has, the uh, the strength he has. So, hopefully, going forward, this guy is our is our Canadian receiver and and a reliable one at that. So, yeah. first career um, touchdown. He seems like a, yeah, he seems like a like a fast dude, and obviously, um, that's a good thing when you're out on the wide side there and you're all alone most of the time. I mean, people uh, Canadians get forgotten; those receivers get forgotten out there, and they can sneak behind coverage and. Hopefully he can do that for us, like Mike Jones has been doing for the for the Edmonton team. Who? Mike Jones. Michael Jones. Oh. Yes. Mike Jones. Oh. You know what? And yeah. and I was always I was good for him. I was good worried that him. was what was going to happen. We we're going to develop him. He was yeah. going to be up and down here. I mean, he's still been pretty up and down with the Elks, but that was that was a nice touchdown he had on on Labor Day that yeah. kind of sealed that game for him. It was uh, 
I'm not. I don't hate. I'm not going to hate on Mike Jones. We, we made fun of Mike Jones no. a lot here, but it was all kind of. It was all in love. I was always hoping he would play well, but uh, th- uh, this game was kind of a game at first. You had Unger get his first touchdown. Tim White, uh, which we talked about earlier on the bomb, got his mm-hmm. first touchdown, and then defensively, which I think. Uh, I think we can we can slide to the defensive side on, on this now. Uh, Mason Bennett, one of uh, his first career sack, and one of the three the Ty Cats had in this one. What a difference! Now, this defense as a whole, like we're going to go through this because I thought this was one of the best defensive performances I've seen from this team in quite. Like, they had they put some masterful performances in 2019. This was up there with some of the best I've ever seen. I know that they ended up allowing two late touchdowns, but that was yeah they count. But I don't know. It was the, I think the first one came with like seven and a half minutes left, and the game was kind of still in in question, but not really. Um, they scored a touchdown. Simone Lawrence had to had to pick six off the tip pass. Um, but the defensive line is where I want to kind of start with Mike. Um, what a difference Dylan Wynn and Ted Laurent being out there together make, right? Like the run game for the Argos that lit up the Bombers. DJ Foster had like 100 yards was non-existent in this one. And I think it all has to do with those two guys playing together for the first time this season. And then you just see the difference it makes on the field. Yeah, they are beasts in the middle. I mean, I, I don't, I wouldn't pick any two defensive tackles over them. No chance in the league. So um, they cause a ruckus in the run game. They're pushing the the offensive lineman back into the quarterback. They're, you know, Dylan Wynn, our boy, got a sack, and, and then, then did the, the dance. Line, he did the did whole the D line did the dance. The thing of beauty. Love thing it. of beauty. Um, yeah, I mean, overall, the defensive line played well. The linebackers played well. The secondary played awesome. So. Um, it's good to see all these guys back healthy, and it just just shows like going forward that we can be a dominant defense again. Yeah, Simone had the big pick six, which we talked about, and uh, you wanted to shout out Jovan Santos Knox. You thought he had a pretty good game in this one. I thought he was all over the place. He ended up with eight defensive tackles to lead the team. Um, not much else on the stat sheet, but I just thought he uh, did. He did, played he, really did he have well. the Did he have the tip that le- I think he had the, the tip that led to Simone's pick? Oh, okay, okay, yeah, it doesn't show up on here, but yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I think you're right on that. I think it was his and best Julian, game. Yeah, there's a lot of guys that played really well, so, yeah. Yeah, um, the one guy, like, it, like, I mean, we'll talk about Frankie Williams in a second, but Jamal Roll, um, mm-hmm. I think supremely underrated player. No one really talks about him because, like, he, he was playing opposite Delvin Bro, and you have Frankie Williams and Cariel Brooks, another guy that I think people do talk about a little more, who had an interception in this game early on to kind of, like again, this defense just played so well. Like everyone just kind of brought it in this one, for lack of a better term. But Jamal Roll, I thought, made a couple of excellent plays in coverage. I think they challenged. I think there was a challenge on him for pass interference. Where I'm watching, just going, "That's not pass interference. Like that's not like this is this is a fishing. Like this is hope and a prayer almost." Um, but I think he kind of gets lost. Like Siante Evans is the, is the big um, was the big free agent signing, and Tunde Adelike is the Canadian guy. And then kind of role just kind of gets lost in in sort of the, the hype of how good the secondary is. I thought he was tremendous in this. And then they asked him to move because I think it was Siante Evans got hurt. So then they brought Desmond Lawrence in to play boundary corner and then bumped. Uh, or, yeah, I think. And then they bumped him out. They bumped Roll out to uh, field corner and then bumped Frankie Williams into field. Ha- like it was just they, they shuffled everything around and then it still didn't make. A damn bit of difference. But yeah, I just wanted to give Jamal Roll a shout out because I think he's a guy that has been exceptional this year, was exceptional in this game, and doesn't get sort of the headlines that his other maybe more well-known teammates do. 
Yeah, and I think uh, you know a delicate coming back in the last it makes game a difference, right? Made a, a big difference that you don't, you know, he doesn't get the shout out either. But uh, yeah, I think I think he makes a huge difference back there as well. Yeah, I am Frankie Wynn. What, what more can we say about this guy? Um, guy's a stud, man, a stud. I'm I, so I wrote about it in my piece for Three Down after the game, and Milt Stiegel actually was tweeted uh, to me um, when I was I was tweeting out from the Podski account during the game. Someone tweeted out to me. And then Milt brought it up on the post game show, and I'm kind of, I'm kind of on board with this. After after four games, is he not in MLP conversation right now? Like, there's no standout player so far this season. Cody Fajardo has been playing pretty well, but he had a dud against the Bombers. Um, you got Zach Caleros, who's been pretty damn good, and actually that's that's one of the feel good stories of the year. I know he doesn't play for the Cats anymore, but I'm always going to be a Zach Caleros fan. I think so. It's nice to kind of see him stay healthy and put to, and be that Zach Caleros that we saw six years ago, five years ago with the Thai Cats. But is Frankie Williams not right up there with those guys in the conversation for MOP? I know he doesn't play offense, but he's a stellar defender on special on, on defense and he's just phenomenal. He's a reigning special teams player of the year. He had a big kick return in this one. He played some fantastic defense. Is it not only fair that we say that Frankie Williams is, is in the, let, let's say, top five conversation for most outstanding player so far this season? Maybe by the end of the yeah, season, think, it doesn't get there. But right now, is, is there any reason to think he's not in the conversation? No, I don't think so. Because, you know, if he, if he was just doing well in special teams, you know, returning, um, then maybe not. But the guy's doing things on defense and scoring touchdowns on special teams. So I think he has to be in the conversation. I don't think it's going to last throughout the season, but uh, yeah, as of this point, I think he's got to be top three, top five. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it'll last either. But I mean, at this moment in time, I don't know if there's any player who has been more outstanding in more aspects of the game. That because mm-hmm. we don't see this, we don't see guys do this on offense and special teams or defense and special teams, and we never see them do it on offense and defense, obviously. But I just, I just think that after what we, what we've seen, especially the last two weeks. Uh, with his returns and and defense playing a key role in beating the Owlettes and his his big punt return in this one being kind of the 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 score that sort of opened the floodgates, um, I, I I just don't see how you can deny him being in the conversation right now. Like, well, you know what they should do? Put him on offense. There you go. <laughs> Make a special package for him on offense. I think Dwayne Ford mentioned it during the the broadcast, but yeah, I mean that that would be kind of interesting, eh? I mean, then, I, then you'd be really talking. I, you put some I numbers mean, up on offense. If Ooh. he if he does anything offensively speaking, then I think you're you're talking about one of the greatest single season performances by a player in the history of the CFL. Yeah. Like we're well, that going, being said, I don't necessarily want to see him doing that much work. I mean, no. that's you know upping up the uh, the chance of injury bit, and all that's that. That's asking but, a bit much. Yeah, it is, but you know. I wouldn't complain if I saw it. No, if he if he gets a rushing touchdown or a receiving touchdown, just yeah. just just add to the resume. I think. Um, I last thing that I kind of want to talk about in the game, and then if there's anything else that you want to kind of clean up that you haven't had a chance to to shoot on, um, punting. Joel Whitford, I thought was excellent in this game. Uh, had a couple of really good. The Ticats had a lot of drives that started very deep in their end and were able to get to kind of the midfield area, and then they stalled out, which you never want to see. You're like, okay, well, now they're going to bring out the punter. Let's see what he can do. He, he pins them inside the, the 15 on a, on a couple of really nice punts that really pinned the Argos back and caused them some issues. And then the Argos were taking so many penalties 
in this game. So many unnecessary penalties, especially like like 15-yard variety penalties, that that also hampered them as well. But I just thought that he was, for a guy playing his first game at Tim Hortons Field, which has befuddled some of the best kickers and punters in the C- in CFL history, Justin Medlock had a hard time punting here. Liram Hyralahu had a hard time punting here. And those are two of the guys that are among, like Medlock might go down as the greatest kicker in, in league history. And Hyralahu was no slouch himself. To watch him perform this well in his first game at Tim Hortons Field, I thought was uh, was quite good for him. Yeah, it's an important part of the game, really. I mean, the guy punted nine times, which is a little bit too much for my yeah. liking. But, uh, you know, at a 46.2 yard average and a long of 67. So, yeah, I was impressed with his first start, for sure. Yeah. Um, what do you think about the skirmish at the end of the game? You know, that's, uh, that's Labor Day football. There was a skirmish before the game skirmish after i mean you don't want to see it get too crazy but uh you know i i like to a little bit of that to build up the rivalry i have no problem with it get you a little more heart for friday yeah 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 exactly yeah exactly. um it's like i said that's labor day football um is there anything else that you want to talk about from this one because i i feel like i've covered everything on my end is there did we miss anything on yours no i think uh we pretty much covered all of it um it was a pleasure to talk this game and hopefully Next week, we can talk another beatdown of the stinky team down the QEW. Yeah, it's so much fun talking about wins. I know that that sounds obvious, but uh, this team finally seems to be rounding into the form that I think we expect them to be. And it just so happens that it coincides with guys getting healthy. Who'd have thought, right? Yeah, and there's there's plenty more guys to come back to, especially in the receiving corps. So um, I'm, you know, I'm excited to see Posey, but... uh, Braylon Addison, get him back. I just want to see that guy back on the field. Hopefully, I know he had surgery uh, on his knee. I think it was minor surgery. So I'm hoping he's back sooner than later. Think about how potent this offense will be when they get back a former Grey Cup MVP and one of the most versatile offensive weapons the league's ever seen. Like, they're doing this yep. with, with rookies in the lineup. And, and Tim White had a, had a very good game. I think he led the team in mm-hmm. receiving in he this did, one, if did. I'm not mistaken. He had the big touchdown. And the week before, it was Stephen Dunbar, who was quiet in this one. But... They're getting contributions from a lot of guys that wouldn't... And I think that this bodes well because it shows you the depth of the team as well, right? Like, yes, it'd be, it'd be fantastic if Posey and Addison were healthy to start the season. I think we were, maybe, maybe we're having a different conversation. Maybe we're talking about a 4-0 or a 3-1 team as opposed to a 2-2 team. Um, but now you, these guys get meaningful reps in meaningful games. And when those guys come back healthy, Addison and Posey I'm talking about... If something happens where they where they have to go out again, you know that the guys that are filling in can step up and make plays as well. So right. as much as you don't want to see guys get hurt, this has kind of given these guys a chance to get their feet wet in the CFL. And if down the line they're needed, we know that they can play the game. Exactly. And then, you know, Chris Van Zyl came back and he, he didn't look like his normal self. And, you know, he's, he's, he's back on the injured list. But... Uh, Hopefully, when he comes back, he'll be fully healthy and he'll he'll be back to his normal form, and that'll that'll help out even more. So yeah, I, I want to see. Look to. You were saying sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, no. I just said lots of things to look forward to. Yeah, and you know what? We we didn't really talk about the run game at all in this all that much, but I I, I can't wait to see Don Jackson kind of get his feet under him because he's mm-hmm. so fast, and he didn't really get a chance to do much in this game. Um, looking at the stats, he only had. Uh, four carries for 11 yards, so he didn't really get a chance to kind of get the feel for the game, but it's nice to see him get on the field. I think he's another weapon in the offense that once he gets going, it'll be it'll be kind of nice to see him as well. So, like, there's still a lot. 
and don't get me wrong, like they look good in this game, but there's still issues with this team. They're, they're not a perfect team by any stretch of the imagination, but a win kind of covers up some of the some of that ugliness. I think that the run game still needs a, a little bit of work. It's a, it's you know you mentioned the fly sweeps and all that stuff. It's a little gimmicky, to, pardon me, to get the running game going. But I mean, if it works, it works. So I'm not going to be uh, I'm not going to be too harsh on it. But I mean, it, there's still things on this team that I, I'm still looking forward to seeing. So even though they're two and two, having one two in a row having claimed a share of first place in the East division. Um, there's still more things that we can kind of look forward to as the season goes on. So uh, it's not, it's not just like they're a fully formed team quite yet. There's still a lot more that uh, this team can unleash. And like I said, just uh, when guys start getting healthy, now you're starting to see them play to their potential. So it doesn't really surprise me any, quite frankly. Yeah. And, and you know, the wins are great. The two wins, you know, we needed those wins, but it's even more encouraging to see them just getting better each game. So uh, that's that's really good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I wish I had the tweet handy, but I don't. But for Podsky Player of the Week this week, I kind of put it out there that we were going to have a hard time picking guys. And you and I were even briefly talking about this earlier today before we recorded. There was a number of guys that we could have picked for Player of the Week. Uh, Tim White could have been. Dane Evans could have been. Frankie Williams obviously could have been. Uh, you were high on Santos Knox. I was high on Jamal Roll. Simone had the pick six. The entire offensive line could have been given player of the game. There's just so many people that, that could have legitimately laid claim to being the top player this week. But someone tweeted at me when I put that out there and said, what about giving it to everybody? And by that, he meant the organization as a whole and the fans. And I thought that was a really good idea. Um, the first game at Tim Hortons Field in 659 days, I think it was, um, the place was was sold out, 15,000 people in the stands. Uh I thought it was a good idea, Mike. What do you think? Do you think, given the player of the week to everyone from the top of the organization all the way down to the fans in the stands, the fans watching at home, do you think that's fair? I mean, I guess it means we're technically giving ourselves player of the week, which feels mm-hmm. a little weird. But, I mean, we are a pair of Hall of Famers, so I guess it only makes sense that's that we true. player of the week sometimes, right? That is true. That is true. I was going to say a joke about, you know, we shouldn't give it to the fans because there's only 15,000 people there. But, <laughs> uh, yeah. That's not really that funny. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's a great idea. You know, uh, I think everyone deserves it because like you said, it's been so long since a home game. Um, the team performed well. Uh, I'm sure it was a great atmosphere uh, at the stadium. So yeah, I'm all for it. All right. So congratulations to everyone associated with the Ticats organization. Congratulations to every fan who was in the stands, every fan who was watching on television Every fan who had an interest in this game, it, it took all of us to get this win, I guess, is what we're, we're kind of tongue-in-cheek saying. So everyone, is, it, it's just, that's going to be a weird thing to tweet out after the show when the show gets posted. And our player of the week is everybody. But uh, I think for, for it being the classic, for it being the first game back, I think it's very apropos. And hopefully next week there will be someone who has a super stand-up performance. <coughs> cough, cough, Brandon Banks, cough, cough. And we can hand it out to an, an actual one person this time. But, yeah, I thought uh, – I wish I could remember. I will definitely uh, tag the guy who gave me the idea um, when we do when we post the show because he deserves the credit for it. It was his idea, and I kind of liked it and ran with it. So everybody is this week's Podski Player of the Week. Love it. Love um, it. Love it. Love it. Not a lot of Ty Cats news this week. The only real thing and we didn't really touch on it. Frankie Williams was named one of the CFL's top performers for Week Four for his uh, game against the Alouettes. I don't think there's really any surprise there. He was our Podski Player of the Week, so of course he's going to be a CFL mm-hmm. Player of the Week. So. Congratulations to Frankie Williams on that. The Ticats made a few roster moves. Um, nothing too earth-shattering, so I didn't really think it warranted a, a deep-dive discussion. 
So if you don't mind, we can just hop into the, the one big piece of CFL news outside of the games played, obviously, um, was that the CFL announced the rescheduling of the Edmonton Elks game due to their COVID outbreak. Um, they moved a bunch of games around. We won't kind of get into the ones not involving Edmonton uh, because I don't think to this discussion it's really important. But uh, Edmonton now plays on Saturday, November 13th at Saskatchewan. Tuesday, November 16th at Toronto. That's the makeup game for the game that was canceled due to the COVID outbreak. And then Friday, November 19th at the BC Lions. That is an absolutely brutal stretch of games, quite honestly. Um, The Argos, Elks, and Lions will be allowed to have five extra players on their roster for those two games because of how short the break is between their games with one another. Um... This is this kind of ridiculous, though. Like, I know that they're trying to do their best to make sure all the games are played, but three games and a seven-day stretch for Edmonton, there's part of me that goes, the game should have just been a forfeit. The Argos should have won. As much as that would hurt us, the Argos would now be 3-2 and two instead of 2-2, two and two, and they'd be in first place in the East. I think that that was the right thing to do. And now you're kind of, like, part of me is like, okay, well, the Elks have to play three games in seven days. That's kind of your punishment for allowing an outbreak to happen, but that also feels kind of heartless to say, because these are still human beings and they're putting their bodies on the line for entertainment. And that's not, I can't be good. You talk about player safety. It can't be good to play three games in a week like that, that you wouldn't ask anyone to do that, let alone professionals. So like, there's a part of me that's like that. I don't think it's fair to them, but you brought this up before we recorded that the league and the PA signed off on this. So like everyone kind of wants, wants it to happen. But I just think, I think the right thing to do would have been to forfeit the game. What do you think? Yeah, I'm with you on that. You know, they they laid down the rules at the start of the season. Um, it's unfortunate what happened here in Edmonton with the team, but uh, you know, I would have just made them forfeit because th- this three games in in seven days, and I know that the PA signed off it, and the players want to do it um, because they want to get their paychecks and all that. But uh, it just looks bad on the league. You know, I, I see people you know saying bush league and all that stuff. Uh, it's just an unfortunate situation, and I think they just should have canceled the game. And and you know, even though I would have hated giving the Argonauts a free win, it just it just made more sense to do it that way. Um, what do you? Okay, now this doesn't kind of have anything to do with this, but I'm sure you watched the or at least saw the highlight. Did you see James Wilder Jr. like struggling to breathe uh, in the Labor Day game in Calgary yesterday? Yeah. Yep. And he, I know he came out on Twitter today and apparently said, like, oh, it has to do with his asthma and had to do with, like, the altitude in Calgary or something like that. And it's like, hmm. I, again, I don't want to speculate because we haven't really heard names of who in Edmonton got COVID. But, like, does, that, didn't that scare you a little bit? Like, I, I know we're not James Wall's biggest fan, right? but I was like, that was kind of, like, that freaked me out when I saw that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I know. We all know that I'm not his biggest fan either, but, but he's you know, a human being. You don't want, yeah, you don't want him to see him get injured or, or you know um, have troubles breathing for God's sake. So, yeah, and uh, I mean, my prediction of him having a breakout year looks pretty good right now. Sure but, does. Uh, he's, been, he's been fantastic. I won't pat myself on the back. No, but it's but that, that's scary stuff. And now you're thinking that oh, yeah. at, at some point, in some point in this season, he's if he stays healthy, it's going to have three games in seven days. Like that's mm-hmm. this is scary stuff. Yeah, I good. just I feel like this whole mm-hmm. thing's been bungled from the start. Is, is that fair? Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. It's, uh, yeah, I just don't agree with the three games. And seven. like, there's a reason why football teams only play once a week. So to have three games in seven days is just, it's mind-boggling, really. I mean, I, I'm worried 
all the injuries are going to happen in, in, that, in that stretch. So, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, we're going to forget about it until it comes up again, yeah. and then we'll talk about it again. But, man, it just doesn't look good. I don't, I don't like that the rematch between the Ticats and Argos is, is Friday. Like, I know it probably yeah, has to do, I know it probably has to do with, like, stadium availability, and maybe there's something going on at, at BMO on the Saturday that they couldn't have it, but you had the, you had Ottawa play on, you had Ottawa and Montreal play on the Friday, and then I think one of them, is it, I can't remember if it's Ottawa or Montreal, plays BC this week. I think it's Ottawa. I think Ottawa plays BC, Montreal's on a bye. Yeah. That game should have yeah. been Friday night, and then the Ticats game, there's a triple header on Saturday, which is Awesome. I love that. I'm going to be able to watch I'm going to watch college football early in the day and I'm going to be watching mm-hmm. CFL ball from basically 4 o'clock until I go until 1 o'clock in the morning. And then the NFL starts. And I know we're not, you know, we're CFL fans, we're not supposed to like the NFL. But then the NFL the the first Sunday of the NFL season is the following day. Like it's a football utopia if you're a if you're a fan yeah. of the game, right? Football football is football, you know. I agree. It's uh, I love watching it all. So yeah, I it's I I I say this every uh, September, but it's the greatest time of year if you're a football fan cuz there's so many CFL, NFL, college football, you know, if we could watch um, CIS, we would too. So it's a great time to be a football fan. Yeah, like, and we're football fans. We, we love the CFL. It's it's number one for us. But I, like you, I'm a football fan, number one. So, yeah, it, it's just a great weekend for football. But to me, the Ticats game should have been, if it was possible, and I understand that maybe it's not. I don't know the machinations of the schedule. So I'm not going to kill anyone from this for this. But, like, that game should have been Saturday afternoon, not not Friday night. Like, yeah, it, that yeah. bothered that worries me because like that shorter rest it's just four days is not enough to get guys ready for another game no and they had the uh the calgary edmonton games on saturday so yeah, uh, yeah and it, that it, game it, it used to be on friday and they it moved to too, it yeah. to the saturday of like probably yeah. i don't know eight or ten years ago because they were like it's not enough time between games mm-hmm. doesn't make sense does it now they do it with the argos and the and the tie cats, yeah, it's uh, yeah, so it's like, a head scratcher, but yeah, uh, well, but you know what I mean? What like to me, to me, it's just it's just about the safety of the players. Like it just feels like yeah, that's that's too close to be like I don't like the Thursday night games in the NFL. Quite frankly, like as much as I like all the football I can watch, guys playing on Sunday and then playing on Thursday, like that that bothers me too. So and this is I mean it's Monday to Friday. It's it's no different at all day wise. So I don't know. And when, when it was a smaller roster. Is it just um. I just hope no one gets injured. I hope it's I hope it's a good game. I hope it's an exciting game. But I just hope no one no one gets hurt. It just and I mean it doesn't really happen in the past. Maybe this is unwarranted worry, but I don't know. It just um, the short layoff in between in between games. I always like at least six days is, is preferably seven, yeah. obviously. But I mean we can't do anything about it now. But uh, you want to talk about the upcoming game there? I mean we basically yeah, covered yeah, a little yeah. bit. So obviously the next up for the Tie Cats is the Labor Day rematch. This time in Toronto, as we said on Friday night. Um, but we've seen this in the past quite a bit. We've seen the, the, the game in Monday in Hamilton and then on the following weekend in Toronto. And we, uh, we tend to not really see the same type of performances carry over from Labor Day to the rematch. The Ticats usually dominate Labor Day. They've won nine of the last 10. They've won seven straight. They've never lost a Labor Day game at Tim Hortons Field. Like, I think they're 36-13-1 all time in the Labor Day Classic against the Argos. So Labor Day is... It's Hamilton's day. We've seen terrible Hamilton teams absolutely clobber the Argonauts. So you don't really tend to see that in the rematch. You usually see a much closer game. I remember there was one where I think the Ticat, I think it was 2015. They won like 42-12 on Labor Day and then went into Toronto and it was like 20, 
like 34-28 final or something like that, where the Argos like had a had a hail mary at the end of the game that that came down incomplete. So it's like you see a much closer a much closer game in the rematch. So the Argos usually play better. The Thai Cats, um, I mean, the Thai Cats usually play as well as they can. But I mean, you, you usually see the Argos play a much better game. It's a much closer game. Um, I think both teams, obviously, having played on Monday, kind of have to change things up in this. Like you never sort of see the same game plan because you don't want to. You don't want to give away too much on one game and then just come and try to do the exact same thing because it's not going to work. So you mentioned some of the stuff we saw offensively. I wonder what new wrinkles we kind of see. The fly sweep clearly worked in this one. Is that something that they'll sort of move on and try something different? Will they be more vertical? Like, we, we don't really know. So going into the rematch, Mike, is there anything that you're kind of expecting or is it expect the unexpected? I think, you know, with these games, you you got to expect the unexpected. But I just want to see this offense, you know, keep building on what they've they've been doing. You know, add some new wrinkles, um, add to the creativity, you know, keep throwing the ball down the field. If, if you can, if you have the protection from that offensive line, if you have to bring in a couple more guys to block. And I think they did that last game, too, with six or seven guys blocking. Yeah. Um, I mean, do it. So I, I want to see this offense shine. I want to see it be exciting i want to see it put up a lot of points so to me the the thing is just to build on the creativity and just keep implementing new plays into this offense uh as we go along and i think that's going to be a big factor in this game do you think they'll be able to slow down charleston hughes again because like that's the big thing going like charleston hughes usually has a good start to the season like if you look at his Mm -hmm. the past years where he's led i think he's led the league in sacks like three or four years in a row and you look back on it, it's usually a really good first, like, 10 games. And then, like, Labor Day comes and he kind of starts to slow down. This year you thought it would be different. Like, Labor Day's the first half of the season as opposed to the second half of the season. And yet on Labor Day he was completely invisible. Do you think that this offensive line can kind of keep him at bay once more? Or do you think he's kind of due for, a, unfortunately for us, a big game? I mean, maybe Charlton Hughes is... Uh isn't the same guy that he used to be. I mean, he's getting up there in age, so so maybe he's not um, a big a threat as he once was. I didn't uh, want to so, say it, but I was thinking the same thing. Like, we had yeah, this conversation so, about Van Zyl a few weeks ago, right? Mm-hmm. Like, maybe maybe the year off in age has caught up to him. Can we have, we should be, could, should we not be having the same conversation about Charleston Hughes, who hasn't really, yeah. like, I've watched, I think I've watched every Argos game, um, or at least, at least most of them. I don't really remember him doing a whole heck of a lot so far this year. So maybe the, no. the Vance Isle conversation we had should also be kind of had about Charleston Hughes as well, no? Yeah, I, I, th- I think it. You know, it's still early in the season, and you know, maybe this game he has a huge um, breakout game and shuts us up. But uh, I think it's a, I think it's a possibility that he might, you know, have lost a step. You think this is going to feel like a Ty Cats home game? You think you think the fans are going to travel up to QEW? I, it's a Friday night, so it's a little tougher than it would be if it was a Saturday afternoon right. game. What do you think? I, I know some people for sure that are going to the game. Think this is going to be loud in the Ticats' favor again? I think that uh, it won't be as loud and as many people as it has been in previous years. But I still think you're going to hear them. You know, if you're not in the stand, you'll hear them on the TV at home. Um, yeah, they they always bring the noise. So even if it's a smaller number of people, I still think they'll be noticed. Um, is there one player either on the Argos or on the Ticats that you're kind of looking to see? Like, is there someone on the, on the Argos that you, you, you think the Ticats need to neutralize or, or hem in? And is there someone on the Ticats that you think 
I think this could be – I think he could have a really big game this week. Because I got one for the Ticats think... if, you, if, if you want me to go first, but I, I can let you go first if you'd rather. Well, I got one for the Argos. Oh, uh, do you? Oh, okay. Yeah, I, they, I think you got to keep an eye on this Daniel Braverman kid. Okay. Um, I think that he Not had Not the punt some... game. He was terrible as a punt returner. No, in the receiving game, I thought he was, um, you know, deceptively fast for um, a bigger guy as a receiver. So I think he might have a breakout game. I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But I think you got to keep an eye on him. And uh, like you, I just want to I want to see Brandon Banks have that, you know, that big game. And I think it's coming. I'm not sure if it's going to be this game, but I'm going to keep an eye on him. And David Unger, let's see if he can build on what he did um, you know, not huge numbers, two catches for 30 yards, but let's see if he can build on what he did last week. I think this could be a big Sean Thomas Arlington game. Um, right. I just think that we haven't seen him get back to that level we saw him at in 2019 before he got hurt. I, I think he's due for like, – I'm not saying he's going to run for 100 yards on like 15 carries and the Ticats are going to pound the rock. But they're going to do something different in this and maybe something that we haven't really seen before. And one of the things we don't really see this team do is run the football all that much. We saw it quite a bit on Labor Day, um, and we saw it a lot in the waning moments of the game against the Alouettes as they were trying to salt that away. And and obviously, uh, Erlington, I think he had 70-something yards, but like 50 of those came on the final drive. So it's it was a ho-hum game, if, if not a bad game, before he kind of turned it on at the end there. Um, I think, I think him, maybe, maybe sprinkle him a little Don Jackson, let him kind of, kind of do some stuff as well and maybe get him on the edge more like with some sweeps or with some pitches. Um, but I, I don't know. I just, there's, there's a feeling in me that says this could be a big game for sure. Like he could have like 75 yards through the air, maybe another 55 on the ground and score maybe a touchdown or two. Like I just have it in me that I think that we're going to see someone especially someone who didn't necessarily have a big game on Labor Day, have a big game in this one. I think he's he's ripe for the pick and for, for a pretty big game against the Argos. Yeah, I think he had a massive game against the Argos in that beatdown in 64-14 yeah. a couple of years ago. So he, 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 he likes to play nice a apparently. Yes, yeah, the, that diving catch was uh, beautiful. So, yeah, if you could find way, more ways to use him than just handing off the ball, I think he could be more effective. You know, give him that... Give him like like you said. Give him some sweeps. Give him give him a screen pass or two to try and uh, you know get behind that offensive line running down the field. So he, I think he's gonna be breaking out soon too as well with uh, Brandon Banks. So we don't make picks. That's not what we do here. Do you think they can win this one? Do you think or I won't say do you think they will win this one because that's making a pick. Everyone always says it's hard to win the back to backs, right? Like it's hard to beat a team two times in a row. We've seen the Ticats do that a few times, especially in the last couple of years. You think they win? You think they can win this one? I think they can win this one. I think that they got their mojo going. Um, you know, they they played so well in the Labor Day game. I think they're going to want to continue that, obviously. And I think they're going to be coming high te- high intensity, um, even with the short layoff. But I do think, you know, I said it was going to be a close game uh, on Labor Day, and it not it wasn't really close. But uh, I think this one is going to be like a you know, come down to the last drive type of deal. Uh, I don't know if it'll be come down to the last drive, but I do agree that this is going going to be a, a much closer game. I think you're looking at may, maybe it's one of those things where the Ticats are up by seven and they kick they kick a field goal with like a minute and a half left and the Argos are trying to trying to score a couple times. You know what I mean? Like this mm-hmm. this this smells to me more like a thirty to twenty 
or 30 to 21 or you know what I mean? Like that 10 point high single digit, maybe one possession game. I'm not quite sure, but no, I'm with you. I think this is going to be much closer than Labor Day. Um, but it just, I just feel like, I feel like the Ticats are going to pull this one out too. And, and I'm looking at the schedule right now, Mike, and it, uh, I hate to say this because I made the mistake of putting my foot in my mouth at the start of the season by talking about undefeated season, but it goes at Argos, home to the Stamps, at the Red Blacks, home to the Owls, home to the Argos, home to the Red Blacks, at the Elks, like, for, okay, well, we'll can, can, let's cancel the Elks game, but the next, you got Red Blacks, Argos, Owls, Red Blacks, Stamps, Argos. They could conceivably run that table. Like, we could be sitting here in the middle of October talking about a team that hasn't lost since August. You know what I mean? Like, I know, I'm getting ahead of myself. I know you're going to grumble, grumble. You're grumble, grumble. I get it. But this... That Stamps game, it's always weird just because, you know, Bo Levi Mitchell might be back, and that kid, Jake Maris, looked pretty good, even though, you know, they're one and three or whatever. Um it's always scary going against the Stampeders. I agree. I agree. Especially if Bo's back. But, you know, I, I'm not going to say they're on the table, but I think I think they'll have a winning record in that stretch. I mean, they're not losing to the Red Blacks. Like, no, they're going to they're beat them no. twice. Like, they're, that's that's not happening. Um, I don't think so, no. They home, might lose to the Owls, maybe. I don't know. I, you know what? I would, I would say I'm kind of on the fence about that one if it wasn't in Hamilton. Um, fair, fair. I think that it being a home game, same with the same with the other game against the Argos, with it being in Hamilton. I because here's another thing we didn't really talk about this, but they, they talked about it in the game. Orlando Steinar's head coach never lost at home, eleven and zero, including the playoffs yeah. in 2019. Like at some point, obviously he is going to lose at home. Um, it's just a matter of time. But if they haven't done it yet, I'm not I'm not betting on it happening. And and aside from that Calgary game, their home schedule is not exactly a murderer's row of teams, quite frankly. So. I don't know. I look at that schedule and I think like seven, eight, and two is entirely possible for this team. And if we're if we're sitting there, then they're miles ahead in the East, and we're talking about home for the East final, and then we're talking about a home breakup. So I know I know I'm getting way ahead of myself, <laughs> which is what I tend to do for crying out loud. I said fourteen and zero to start this start the year, so I'm I'm obviously well well on this team's bandwagon. But now that we've seen them string together a couple of wins in, in kind of impressive fashion, it's hard not to be excited about what this team could do with kind of a Again, no game's easy, no no schedule is cupcake, but there's there's definitely a fair amount of winnable games in their next six game stretch. I, I think we can both agree on that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Every, every game's winnable. You just gotta, you just gotta you know, win it. Just, <laughs> yeah, you just gotta win. Sometimes funny things happen on game day, yeah, so you just sure. never know. But but you know, you're looking at this team right now, how they perform in the last two games. If they can perform like that, especially like the last game in the next four or five, you know, they're gonna they're gonna have you know four or five wins. You know, they're going to have a winning record for sure. Do you always get nervous before a game thinking like, oh, we said they're going to win this and they're going to just shit the bed and make us look foolish? Do you ever get that like gut? I'm always, I don't, maybe it's years of this team being like you always said, oh, you know, eight and 10, nine and nine, the tie cat way. Maybe it's all those years of being like up and down that just has me not not believing, but always when the game starts, just being like, oh, this is the one, like, is this the one where we look like fools? And, like, we saw them look uh, bad against Winnipeg. We saw them look bad against Saskatchewan. But it's like, do you, do you get that feeling in, like, the pit of your stomach where you're like, oh, they're going to lose and we're going to have to talk? You know what I mean? Like, this, Yeah, a little bit. Okay. little bit. Especially for bo- if we're, like, boasting about how great they are like, yeah. before. You know, it was funny. You know, we have one good year, 15-3, and three, and then 
you know, we get a little confident and then we get smacked with two losses to start the season and you're kind of like, uh, you know, kind of forgot what it's like to be a Tiger Cat fan because you had one <laughs> great season. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, I do get a little bit of that, that anxiety, nothing serious or anything, but, but yeah, I, I, you know, I think we have the right to be confident in this team and I think all the pieces are starting to come together. Yeah, dude, dude, you thought we were bad when they were 15-3. and three. You are not going to want to deal with me. I mean, you will because you'll be as happy as I am. But the yeah. people out there will not want to listen to this. If you're not a Ticats fan, when they win the Grey Cup, and let's say they win the Grey Cup this year, you do not want to listen to that show if you're a fan of any other team. If you're a fan of the team they beat in the Grey Cup, if you're a fan of yeah. any of the other seven teams in the league that aren't the Ticats or the team that they beat, you're not going to want to listen to the show after they win the championship because – Definitely. I am going to be at my absolute obnoxious best. Like, and we we deserve it too because it's God dang it's we haven't won this millennium, you know. Like, <laughs> I'm aware. I'm aware. I, I got to give it up. The uh, the Thai Cats put out a nice little uh, tweet uh, riffing on the uh, the Drake billboards in Toronto, like, "Hey Toronto, you're 0 7 on Labor Day at Tim Hortons Field." And the Argos kind of came back with uh, something along the lines of, "The last time you won a Grey Cup, Drake was still on Degrassi," and it's like. Oh, like you don't want to like it, but it's like that's that's a pretty good clap back. Like I, I kind of yeah. love the back and forth on social media. Um, I even got into it a little bit with because uh, I think someone was like uh, I think it was the Argos Admirals Twitter account. They were they came back with the Tie Cats with uh, we've won two great cups in there, and me being a smart ass, being like, well, no, you've won like since the Tie Cats have been seven and zero on Labor Day to Mornsfield. It's like no fact check, you've won one, and they're like, oh yeah, we've won one, and it's like. Yeah, it wasn't, really wasn't as, as deep a burn as I was hoping it yeah. would be. But it's like, I, I kind of love the back and forth. Like, I think the Argos... That's all they got, though. That's all they got. I mean, and yeah. it's a big thing. Like, yeah, we want to win a championship. Yeah. And yes, it, it's going to happen. It's yeah. going to happen. And I can't wait till it happens just for that reason so that we can shut them up. Well, it's like the... Um, it's like the... the, the bom- now that the Bombers have won the championship, like all those Ryder fans who are like, hashtag 1990... Like, they've lost yeah. that. Now they, they've jumped on the, you know, Andrew Harris is a dirty cheater, which, I mean, right. you get... Haven't we all? Yeah, I mean, I've, I, I'm still waiting for uh, for that uh, test to come back that I believe... Wasn't it Labor Day of 2019 that he was suspended for? So, mm-hmm. man, two years. Mm-hmm. That, that Those lab results are really, uh, really yeah. taking must have got lost back. in the mail, I guess. Yeah, must have. I don't know. Yeah, must have. Um, but, no, I'm... I'm uh, like, they, they jumped on that. Once the Ticats finally win, and please... Praise Odin that it's this year. What are they going to say to us? Like, because like, I could, I'll be, I'll be perfectly honest with you. I think as a chirp, talking about something you did four or five years ago, kind of lame. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm all for being proud of your championship, celebrating your championship. Like, I have championship T-shirts for the Cubs when they won in 2016. I have championship T-shirts from Ford for winning the last two uh, CPL titles. Like that, I'm all for fans being like, oh, my team won and I want to celebrate that. And that's awesome. But if your comeback is like, and I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I actually thought the comeback was pretty good because the Ticats are kind of talking about the past. So I guess it makes sense. But if you're all, if all your comeback is like, well, you guys haven't won in forever. And we, we last won four years ago. It's like, you got to come up with something like, to me, that's not a great chirp, like fan to fan. Like you can say like, Hey, you guys haven't won. And it's like, you don't really have a comeback for that. But to be like, well, we won in 2017. It's like, okay, you don't want to know what else happened in 2017? Like, it's that's a long time ago, quite frankly. Yeah. And, and you know, the thing with the uh, the Riders fans chirping the, the the Bombers for 1990, it's like, guys, you you have four Great Cup championships yeah. in like 100 years. Like, 
Come on now. Oh, did Come you on. did Look. you see someone put out that meme? You know the from King of the Hill where like he Yeah, yeah that was good. Oh, that was so good. Those those yeah. people could read, they'd be really mad. Which is one of the all time like King of the Hill underrated show, quite frankly. Oh, absolutely. Um, There's just like a calming presence about that show. I can just put it on and like kinda yeah. you know, fall asleep to it and yeah. it's it, I enjoyed it as well. I didn't I didn't like it as much. Like when I was a kid, like big into the Simpsons, so it's like it wasn't I didn't I didn't appreciate it as much. When I got older no. and started watching, I was like, yeah. oh, this is – I can see why people thought this was funny and now I think it's funny. Like I think it was definitely right. a show where you think it's a cartoon show and you know, it came on after The Simpsons. So it's like you think it's for kids. But as an adult, I think it's uh, it's one of the better shows that I think uh, – I don't know what – if it's on a streaming service. I, I don't know why it's on a Disney. Yeah. They bought all the Fox's stuff and they got Futurama and The Simpsons on there. And so it's like get King of the Hill on there. I would do a, a deep rewatch of King of the Hill because uh, – Watching it yeah. a few years ago, um, a dude at work actually was watching it, and uh, he was uh, he was like, "Man, King of the Hills is really good." And I was like, "Oh man, yeah, you know what? I haven't watched it in a while." And I I found some maybe less than legal means in which to watch it, and I was like, "This show is really good." And I think I think as you get older, you appreciate it more. But yeah, that was there. There's I love the kind of the back and forth. It just feels nice that there's back and forth between CFL fans because that just means the league's back, right? Yeah, exactly. You live to you know the one of the things about the CFL is not that you know there's not that chirping necessarily like a lot of chirping between uh you know fandoms i mean there is but you know it's not as much prevalent as like the nfl or anything like that so it's good to build up those rivalries between fans just yeah. as long as you don't go you know over the top obviously. yeah and i mean with the red blacks being garbage it's like there's no fun yeah beating on them so i guess yeah you know i just think i, I don't know i i think i meant to say it but i think we got sidetracked the argos i think the argos being competitive I think makes for a better rivalry with the Ticats. Like it's like when one of those teams is just bad, like look, the 64, 14 beatdown was freaking awesome. Being in the stands mm-hmm. for that was awesome. I will, that's something I like, I will hang that picture in like the Louvre of that scoreboard because that's how fantastic mm-hmm. that was. But the Argos and the Ticats both being play like the, the 2013 East final was one of the, like, that's what I want to see more often than not. You know what I mean? Like, that's, yep. I want to see these teams meet in the playoffs. I want to see them playing meaningful games against each other late in the season where playoff positioning is on the line. If, I, I want to see these two teams both be good at the same time. Because I think it's the same in Alberta. I think when Edmonton and Calgary are both good at the same time, I think it makes the rivalry more intense. Winnipeg and Saskatchewan mm-hmm. both being good makes that rivalry more intense. So, I mean, for a long time, our, our I think our main rival was Ottawa. I think Ottawa was good, and we, it was then we were fighting for playoff positioning. Ottawa, obviously, not very good now. Hopefully, the Argos have taken a step where they'll at least be competitive. Um, if if that happens, I think these two teams being in the thick of things as, as the playoffs loom, I think is a good thing for the league, and I think it's an excellent thing for this rivalry. Yeah, it's a great thing for football in Ontario. I think it just it creates more interest. Uh, when both teams are good, and the 64-14 beatdown was great, but it, it was great because how well the Tiger Cats performed. It wasn't great because the Argos sucked. It was great because we were watching this offense do its thing. Um, so yeah, it it it, it does kind of you know the rivalry's still there, but it's not as strong when one team is lackluster and the other team is really good. So yeah. um, hopefully we get the win next Friday, and then uh, after that the Argos can improve. To the moon, baby, to the moon. And then we'll uh, win the Great Cup and we'll be completely obnoxious a-holes um, yeah, for probably we'll at see. least a year. I think I think yeah, you got to give at us least. at least a year, at least until the yeah. following Great Cup or the, you yeah. know, the Ticats win and then they fall flat in their face the following year. But we're, we're get, from from December 12th or wherever we record after December 12th when, when the Ticats win, 
to whenever the next season starts. Yeah, be prepared. We're not going to be. We're we'll probably start every show with talking about the defending Grey Cup champion Hamilton Tiger Cats. It's going yeah, to be. It's going. It's going to be a lot, and people are going to hate it. Yeah. Well. Yeah. We'll. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> well, I, I won't speak for you. I will be that way, and and I know people will. No, no. It. I'm just saying we'll see if they win it. Oh, if they know, win the Grey Cup. Oh, okay. Yeah. You're yeah. not ready to. You're not ready to take no. that leap yet, eh? No, no. I mean, I'll be obnoxious. Don't get me wrong, but <laughs> I'll just we'll just wait and see. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, all right. That was Podsky Weaver for this week. I'm Josh Smith. And I'm Mike Graham. Eat them raw. Eat them raw.